0: My goal is to share with you the tools, tips, and tricks to help you in your journey. So let's dig in into today's episode. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Leading Yourself podcast. This week, I have a treat to all of you. We have a special guest, Luke Owens, who is the vice president of product at Ability a company that develops award-winning corporate leadership development programs and offers a mini MBA program. Um, Luke has an impressive background in education and consultancy, and I'm really excited for all of you to hear Luke's perspectives around career reinvention. So welcome to the Leading Yourself podcast, Luke.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, we're really excited to have you. And I can't wait to talk to you about all these topics, but let's start talking about you. Can you share a little bit about your background? And I think you have a really, really interesting background. And I think it will explain a lot of what you're doing today and where you're coming from.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and you start on my favorite topic, which is myself, of course. Um, I, I just, you know, it's, It's an honor to be here on your on your podcast as we talk about reinventing careers, because I feel like in many ways I've been doing this myself for 15 years now. You know, um, I've always thought of my career as a bit of a mosaic, right, where it's all these individual pieces that alone look very different, but together make up a picture. And so um, part of that's my Italian Catholic heritage. And part of that is just I, I love that concept of all the different pieces can come together to make something bigger. And so when I look at my career and I can give you the long story or the short one, it has so many different stops. It has uh, stops being a consultant at McKinsey twice, right? It has uh, a stop in business school where I started teaching at the undergrad and fell in love with education. It has a stop in more in your field where I ran a people department um, at a 500 person company and eventually got fired and had to go take a sabbatical and go do other things and, and kind of reinvent myself again. And then it finally has this stop now where, I'm running product at at an ed tech startup of uh, 22 people who are building new things every day and building new things in my field every day. So it has all these different pieces to it. And I I feel like in many ways, this idea of reinventing career has been something I've been living for for multiple decades at this point. So it's a topic that really quite resonates with me.
0: I love how you define it as a mosaic, right? Because I think a lot of times we can see it as pieces that are separate, right? But I I love the idea of all these pieces coming together to form a masterpiece. Cause I'm sure that a lot of the things that you learn in every one of those stops, right? Are, and skills that you develop you've been able to transfer to the next experience even if that experience looks completely different from the previous one.
1: It's such a good point. And, you know, I think we're going to talk about it even more later, but at this time of change with the pandemic happening at this time of change with virtual work picking up, you know that the opportunities that are in front of us might look nothing like the experiences we had in the past. And somehow, some way, this idea of how we put together those experiences we had in the past, how we learn the right things to bridge the gap, and then how we identify and go after the opportunities of the future is, is one of the core challenges of managing your career in today's world. And I, I would say that you know I, I feel blessed to have had multiple networks and multiple mentors who have helped me through that. And it looks like a clean story looking backwards, but looking forward and living it there was times of uncertainty, there was times of change, there was times of, I don't know what's coming next. And, and it becomes one of those things where, you know, you have to figure out what you do do, and figure out what the opportunities in front of you that you want to do in the future are.
0: I I love that. And I resonate with that so much. Um, You know, I, you touch on the pandemic, and I, I personally, you know, I work, in HR, and I've been in HR for the last 18 years, and I've seen two two big trends after the pandemic, and we hear about the great resignation and all of these things, but behind all of that, I've seen two things. One, I think that when the pandemic kicked in, it was such a moment of uncertainty for all of us that we a lot of people put their careers on hold to focus on surviving. And how can I be effective at work in whatever I was doing by working from home, which a lot of people had never done before. And as we come out of the pandemic, I mean, we still hear about COVID, but life is completely different than it was two years ago. I think that out of that, there's two big things that I've seen. One, people that are Reassessing their priorities and saying, you know what, this is not what I want to do, I want to go in a different path and reinvent my career and with that my lifestyle and then I see the other part of people another big chunk of people that kind of put their careers in standby. And now they're like, okay, now that we're back to a sense of normancy, whatever normancy means these days, I want to refocus on growing my career and going to that next level. And I'm really interested to see what, how do you see this from where you are, from your perspective?
1: Absolutely. I think it's such an interesting thing. How much has changed recently, and how much is um, how much has now become conscious and intentional choices by people when they manage their career? And I think that's the lens I look at the two groups you're, you're talking about through, which is there's been a push toward. People becoming just extraordinarily conscious about what they want out of their careers and what they're willing to give it to. When they were in that survival mode, it became, how do I just survive from one day to the next? And how do I keep up my job and keep up the stability and keep supporting my family and and figure out how to work in a totally new environment where I'm on Zoom or wherever I am on a daily basis? And then once that kind of has faded away over the last couple of years, over multiple years of this, it's become, what do I want to get out of work? And if I do want to get something else out of work that I'm not getting now, do I need to change careers? Do I need to take the foot off the gas? Do I need to put the foot on the gas and say, I need to do this. And, you know, at this point, it's such a wild thing because the only thing that's holding back is imagination, right? It's, it's a, it, and I know that's kind of a privileged position to say that from, because I have a job that I love and I work remotely and I have a, a really nice situation yet the situations that exist now never existed five years ago. The jobs that exist now never existed five years ago. The ways of working that exist now never existed five years ago. My company, our executive team sits in Colorado, where I sit, sits in Austin, sits in Boston, and sits in Germany. I don't think that would have happened five years ago. And so I couldn't do that. And so, you know, there's, there's this whole thing about how do I create the career I want? And how do I intentionally ask for the things I want? Then find the organizations that resonate with me in that way. And um, I, I think both of the things you mentioned are part and parcel of that. Whether it's, hey, I need to have the job for the stability or whether it's, hey, I need this job because I want to move my life that direction.
0: Yeah, I, I fully agree with you and, um from your perspective, so Ability has this mini MBA program, which before I ask anything else, let's talk about it because I think um, I want to go deeper into how this program could be a way of people finding that, what is next in their career. But let's start by, can you share a little bit about uh, this mini MBA program? What is a mini MBA, how it is different from what we traditionally know as an MBA, because I think this is, at least for me, when I saw it, I'm like, oh, this is different. Um, So can you expand a little bit on that?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, at Ability, we, like you said, run leadership development programs for corporate clients. We run simulation-based learning. And a couple of years ago, we had this realization that, you know, this stuff this business skill set should be accessible much broader than outside of the corporate environment. It should be much broader as people want to manage their careers. And for most people, it doesn't make sense to pay $200,000 in two years of your life to get an MBA. I went to Harvard Business School. I loved it. I had wonderful time there. And that is not for everybody, right? It's just not. And so when we were creating this, we, we wanted to create something that gave people the basic skills of managing their career, gave people the basic skills of, of business, while not requiring them to put the rest of their life on hold. So we designed this as a 12-week part-time program that you can do while you're working. Um, And we designed it with the idea that you would get three things out of it, right? You would get conversancy. You get conversancy in the language of business, right? There are basic skills that are needed to have as you move up in the business world. Understanding of finance, understanding of how to manage, understanding of strategy. These are the things you need to have. And we, we decided you needed conversancy. Second is you know and this gets to your career mobility type of thing. We thought that people needed connections. They needed to expand their networks and start to meet people outside of their network. Right? And so these connections come about in, in part and parcel with the courses we run, because they're so interactive because they're so social because they're so uh, so immersive in terms of working together. And if you look at our last couple of cohorts we've had people from as far afield as uh, Kenya and Mexico City and Hong Kong and people who are moving up in uh, our CFOs and companies here in the US and people who are scrum masters at, at technology companies so a wide variety that just opens your eyes to the connections that are out there. And then third is is confidence. Right. Like when you're switching careers, you have to have the confidence to step forward. And you know, I, I know a lot of people struggle with this idea of imposter syndrome. And to be honest, I do too. We all do. Right. And so getting you some of that language, getting you some of that practice, getting you some of that connections to know that other people have made these shifts, other people have made these jumps that you are, whether you're a teacher moving over to uh to the business world, whether you're a vet coming over into, into the corporate life, whether you're moving from an HR world into a sales and marketing role. Other people have made these, and you know, coming out of our program, we hope that people have that confidence. And so, you know, we we built this as an accessible uh, alternative to the overall MBA, something you can do while you continue your work over the course of a twelve-week period, and and come out of it with conversancy in the language of business, uh, connections in terms of more people in a diversity of network, and then uh, and then confidence in terms of how you come forward.
0: I, I, I that's fascinating to me because I, I personally, as I said, I haven't seen anything quite like it. And I think when I'm thinking about these two trends that I mentioned to you, I know there's many others, right? But just to, to focus on, on a couple, I'm like, gosh, this can help so many people that are going through this this period of time of they're trying to rethink yeah. what do I want to do and how do I take my career to the next level? How do I make, A shift. And I want to build on a couple of things that you said and maybe go a little bit deeper. You mentioned imposter syndrome. And Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I think we all go experience that at any given point in time. Personally, I switched jobs three months ago and I'm moving in the same space that I've been for the last 18 years. But I was moving from a company where I spent 13 years to a new company. And I'm like, am I gonna be able to do this without the support system that I'm used to um, where different processes that are different from what I know, um, am I gonna be able to succeed? And I think when the more radical that change that you make, the more that imposter syndrome comes about, right? Because it's more uncomfortable, more outside of your comfort zone. But um, from your perspective, What are some ways or what would be your tips or what are the things that you teach at at the MBA on how to overcome this imposter syndrome at work and how to be able to make that career transition with confidence, even if you don't know everything?
1: Absolutely. You know, it's such an interesting story. I didn't realize you'd only been in your new job three months. Wow. How is it going? How's it going?
0: It's going amazing. I'm, I'm loving it. Um, I'm completely outside of my comfort zone, right? I tell everyone I went from knowing everyone and knowing everything or almost everything to not knowing anyone and not knowing anything. Yeah. And it's scary and it's uncomfortable,
1: yeah. but
0: I am having so much fun and I'm enjoying being in that space so much. Yeah. More than I thought I would.
1: <laughs> well, that's awesome to hear. I mean, it's, there's multiple steps to this and uh, imposter syndrome in my head kind of shows up in different ways at different steps. One is where you're talking about where it's like hey, I'm in a new role, I'm moved out of my comfort zone, I'm in my learning zone maybe I'm even at the edge of my panic zone where I'm like, oh my God, can I do this? What can I do this? And you know when you're in that space, I think so much of it becomes okay having, having mentors who can help you, help you have faith in yourself, having faith in yourself to continue to learn and grow because somebody has taken an opportunity on you, right. When you're in a new role. And so I think a lot of that imposter syndrome gets over by, by putting in the work, by, by having the mindset of like, people are putting faith in me. I'm going to put faith in myself and then finding those people who pick you up. And I think that's a, it's a wonderful thing. I've been blessed to have a couple of times in my career where people took bets on me too, which, um, Lord knows why sometimes, but they did. (laughs) And uh, that imposter syndrome in the new role is so important. And finding a way to be in the learning zone without jumping into the panic zone is is so important. I think the other thing where it shows up in career transitions is where imposter syndrome holds one back from even looking at an opportunity. And the seminal work on this, I'm sure you're familiar with it as a talent development person is the, the idea of, uh, and it was a gendered study where it was years ago. I don't know if it's still relevant, but it always sticks in my head where it's men, and women, and how they look at job descriptions. And if there's 10 things on a job description, the classic, the classic trope was that men would go in and find two things on there that they could do and they would apply and they'd say, I can do these two things, now, let me do this. And women would go in there and they would look at the 10 things. They'd find the one thing they can't and decide not to apply because of it. And, and I think that whether or not that story is still relevant in today's world, I think it was from 15 years ago, that research, but it, it is a really wonderful, I, I think, um, just example of how imposter syndrome rears its head, where it's like, I'm seeing opportunities that I'm excited about, but because I don't know if I'm ready, I don't even put my name in the hat. And I see that all the time right now with, you know, transitioning teachers. I see that all the time with people who are trying to recreate their life in the way that you're talking about. And, and I think the, the the observation I have and the advice I have are the observation is we all feel that, right? We all feel that thing of, can I actually do that? Will they let me do that? What can I do? And my advice is at that moment, take a breath, feel it and then put your name in the hat, put your name in the ring. See what happens. Those mixed metaphors somewhere some way, Mm -hmm. but like go push out for it. The world right now is open to those people who are willing to put in the work. And that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And that doesn't mean it's going to be simple, but we are all feeling that imposter syndrome in some way, shape, or form. I can't open up my email without reading about classmates of mine who are way more successful than me or have jobs that I don't know if I could do. And I have to deal with that emotionally on a regular basis. We all have to deal with this stuff. And so I think this imposter syndrome and finding the right communities, finding the right educational programs, finding the right mindset, finding the right mentors are how you get over it.
0: Talking about education and I know that's a big part of your background and your passion when we think about career reinvention or or making a career shift, what role does formal and informal education play into that and how can it help someone make such a transition
1: yeah You know, it's fascinating because I think we have access to more education than we ever had before. It's really quite amazing. Like you can learn about what a product manager role is by enrolling in a course on LinkedIn or looking at a a Coursera video and starting to understand what that is. And I think that the, the basics of that are, you know, education gives us access to an understanding of it at the very core. And there's more resources than ever before. And you'll have to put in the work to understand that. But it gives us access to that understanding first. And, and a, lot of, uh, a lot of asynchronous ways of doing that, lots of ways of doing the research yourself. The second way I think it really helps with career transitions is, you know, education gives us access to networks, gives us access to people who are like us and people who are not like us. And I think a good educational experience, once you move beyond just understanding what a role may be, actually puts you in a place where you're testing out things, where you're saying, oh, here's what life as a product manager looks like. And I'm actually working with other people who want to be product managers. Can I actually see myself in there or can I not? One of the things we like to do in our programs is put you in the role of an entrepreneur. Have you run a business? Have you realized how hard it is? Put you in the role of an executive? Have you lead a a, a marketing team and say, is this actually something I want to do? And that's why we do all experiential based sim based learnings. It gives you an opportunity to try things out and gives you the opportunity to connect with people who are like you and not like you to see what works for you. And I think a lot of the formal education that's coming up around the boot camps, around tech boot camps, around coding boot camps, around even business boot camps and sales boot camps comes one step after that, where it says, okay, I've understood what the roles are out there. I understand what the opportunities are. I've tried it a little bit. So I have a sense of what it is, whether it's through an educational program, through an experiential learning, through a network connection. And then the boot camps say, let's get you there as fast as you can. And then I think those things are really great. Because at that point, you already understand the role, you already understand where you're trying to get, you've tried it out, and then it just becomes putting on the blinders and putting in the
0: work. Um, And I I think, you know, it it helps also building skills that maybe you're missing, right? I I think that in today's world, um, being on the talent development space, right? Where we used to talk about the role and the job and the, we have transitioned to the skills mm. and and I think there's this big focus on on skills and skill development yeah. and talking about skills um, from your point of view um, what you've seen from from your experience what are skills that you think are, are, are skills that anyone should have in, in, in their toolbox in, in develop to help them grow and develop their career? What are some of those core skills that regardless on what path you are, um, can help you continue to grow and continue to find new opportunities?
1: Totally. Totally. I, I think I can give, give a couple, um, uh, one and, and more than anything else I would say is like the ability to learn, the ability to learn in today's world is more important than ever before you know the if i look at my development team the code base they're working in didn't exist 10 years ago right they no matter how good they were then they had to continue to learn and continue to learn new things if i look at you know our marketers they have tools that they never had 10 years ago so this ability to learn is it's just so important um, secondly i think is the ability to really I guess we would call it data analysis, right, and business acumen, which is understand how to cut through the noise of tons of data and actually understand what matters, and then communicate it in a way that turns it into value. So that first part is the data analysis piece, and the second part ends up being the business acumen and the understanding of how value gets understood and shared, right? And then the last piece, the last kind of durable skill, if you will, that I'll I'll say right now, are, are, are really around communication and problem solving. Where it becomes how you interact with your team, how you interact with them in new ways, how you act as a manager and how you give coaching and feedback, how you as an employee actually seek out coaching and feedback and develop your own career. And I think a lot of these because of the interrelational way our workforce works right now, particularly in the professional uh, world, it, it becomes so important that you're good, clear communicator and that you're a productive problem solver with other folk because we are continually coming up with new things and trying out new things. And and if you can't work with others on these types of things, it doesn't work.
0: I love that. And I think I would pick very similar ones. Um, I I can't, I, I can totally agree with you. I think that we're living in a world that one is constantly changing. So what you know Becomes obsolete so quickly. Yeah, and knowing and having that ability and that learning agility just helps you to continue to evolve as 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 the world keeps evolving, right? As things keep evolving around you, and I think that in the past couple of years, more than ever before, we've seen really what a Buka world looks like, right? I mean, uh-huh. talk about Buka—we've we've lived all around us. And I think that problem solving is so key. And also the amount of data and information that comes our way now versus even five years ago. Yeah. I don't have to go that far back, right? It's amazing. And and so I, I can't agree more with, with what you say. Now, talking about the skills, can, can you speak a little bit of how these are incorporated in the MBA program that that you guys have. And, and on top of that, you mentioned, uh, when you explain this mini MBA program, um, you call it conversancy? Yeah. Did I use the right term? Great Can you term. explain what that means and, and how it relates to all of this that we're talking about?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, So when we thought about our Invited MBA program, we really thought about what are the the core buckets that are valid no matter what your role may be. And from a skill perspective, we kind of put them into three different ones. One was um, business acumen and uh, financial acumen, right? Understanding the language of finance. And this is where conversancy comes in. And I'll come back to that and talk about that. Second was how you actually be a people manager and how you communicate with your team, how you communicate with each other, how you really become a, a people manager and understand that. And then the third one became really about okay strategic leadership. How do you look across this overall system and really pick out the signals for the noise and decide on what matters and then set your team and yourself off on that? And so when we have those three main buckets of skills, you know, on the business acumen and financial side, we we actually throw you in the deep end pretty quick. Uh, we want you to learn what the three financial statements are: the income statement, the balance sheet, and the cash flow. And we want you to be not intimidated. To look at them, you know, public companies have to put them out every quarter. If you want to know more about Apple, go look at their, go look at their earnings statements. Um, and, And we wanted you to, A, not be intimidated by those. B, we wanted to show how that turns into decision making at at companies, and that turns into decision making with cash flow modeling. It turns into decision making with DCF, discounted cash flows. It turns into decision making with MPVs and net present values. And we think it's too far of a cry to, in 12 weeks, become a CFO. That's really challenging, but we don't think it's too far of a cry for you to understand what that language is, to demystify that language, and to put you in a position where you can ask questions in the next meeting you're at, where the finance group is saying, hey, we believe this is a good project, you can actually ask questions and say, what are the assumptions behind that? How does that build up? How do we do that? And so that's where we talk about conversancy instead of fluency. We think it's so important to have that conversancy so you're not intimidated when numbers come up, when finances come up, when cash flows come up. Because that is the lifeblood of any organization, whether it's a nonprofit or for profit, you have to understand how those finances work. And if you don't, there's going to be a glass ceiling on your career because there's only so far you can go. So that's, that's that first piece of the conversancy. The second piece is when we talk about this people management, we think that, you know, people management isn't some Jedi mind trick that's out there right? It requires a set of tools, frameworks, and then practice, 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 practice. And we think that great managers are ones who imbue that practice into their daily life. They imbue that by, by understanding how to motivate employees, by understanding how to manage to results, by understanding how to give coaching and feedback to employees and actually aren't afraid to walk into that scenario and do so. And so we spend a lot of time in our, in our program actually getting you that practice. The, the frameworks aren't complicated, but the actual people are complicated. And so we want you to feel comfortable moving into a managerial role because you can communicate, because you can connect, because you have that conversancy. And then the last piece on the strategic thinking, you know, we like to think of it a lot as how do you work in this broader system, you know, as you rise up, you have to think more cross functionally, you have to think about more about what matters because you're imbued with more data and more decisions every day, just like you said, from five years ago it's gotten even worse from next five years is going to exponentially get worse and I use that word mathematically it's exponentially going to get worse. Um, and so, really starting to get the practice of picking the signal out of the noise. Um, you mentioned the VUCA environment. We we think the environment is only getting more VUCA. It's getting more volatile. It's getting more uncertain. It's getting more complex. It's getting more ambiguous. And in that world, your ability to have strategic decision making is crucially important if you want to rise up at a company.
0: Yeah, I I love that, and I I definitely can see that. And I think those are things that apply no matter. Whether you're starting your own business, whether you're working in a corporate world and within the corporate world, you know, being in HR, I, I, you know, we made that transition years ago, but when I started my career in HR, HR had no idea of the financial statements, right? We were focused on hiring and firing people and it was that old, um, more of that personnel, administration mentality and and even areas like HR has evolved to become business partners where we're really looking, how can we impact the bottom line? And I find myself talking about and asking these questions more often than not, right? One term that um, for me has been in my vocabulary very frequently, and I've heard you in other in in other parts that I've heard you speaking, talk about is this concept of return of investment.
1: Mm, Um,
0: And I think applies in financial terms, but also in many other terms, right? In return of investment of your time, return of investment on on where you're you're educating yourself or growing your skills. Um, If we think about investing into formal education, like a program like the one you offer or any other MBA or any other educational program, how can Sangwan think about it from that perspective on return of investment? What is the return of investment of investing in your education?
1: Yeah, it's such a great question. And, you know, this ROI concept is, I'm so glad to hear, and, you know, I was part of this trend for the last 12 years of really getting imbued into the HR space, really getting imbued into the learning and development space, really getting imbued into the people space. Um, And so, you know, from this ROI, I'll take it from a couple of perspectives. One is from the individual consumer, right? Like from somebody who signs up for a program like ours. I think the ROI is is pretty clear, right? It becomes, hey, I believe that this is actually going to help me get that next promotion. I believe that this is actually going to help me switch from this career to this other career. And it's going to make me make my salary change from this to this. Right, And so I think a lot of when you think of ROI from the consumer side, it becomes, how does this help me make the next step in my career? Or how does this make, help me make the transition I'm doing there? And, and we do that in a couple of different ways with, with different groups. We have different archetypes we do for, from a consumer. The other thing, you know, since you and I spend a ton of time in the corporate space, that I think is fascinating from this perspective, particularly with learning programs like ours, is how organizations are being really, um, really thoughtful about how they measure ROI, right? And I'll tell you that even in our consumer world of Invited MBA, we have more and more students who are getting their companies to pay for their existence in the in our in our program, and they're getting that by making the ROI case, you know. Companies are with the great resignation are petrified of losing people. You know, they're petrified of having their best performers. All of a sudden, one day show up on a Friday and say, hey, I'm starting at this other company on Monday, right? And so I think that you see more and more companies um, being really thoughtful about how they give employee benefits for things like learning and development, recognizing that it leads to an ROI through retention, leads to an ROI through more skill building that then makes them better at their job. And so I think that there's a whole reshuffling going on in this space of how the ROI comes from, who pays, and then who accrues it right? Because individuals who go through new trainings get new skills, they get new mindsets. And what's not lost on us is that corporations who they work for benefit from those if they're willing to invest in it. And so this idea of the ROI, I think is really popular in our field as people think about it as a tool for retaining your high performers, as you think about it as a tool for building skills to prepare them for the next role six months earlier than they would have been. And I think that's a a really powerful place to be.
0: Mm -hmm. that is um i see it the same way i think that um i always try to think you know first of all with time being um most precious resource right i'm always asking myself what is the return of investment of my time because i were constantly making decisions on where do i spend my time right and i think you know, you mentioned it today, you can uh, find resources and build skills in many different ways. Information is available, right? You can Google it, you can go to YouTube, you can go to a platform like Coursera or LinkedIn Learning and all these platforms, right? And and find whatever it is that you're looking for. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes it's not only, um, you know, the availability of the information, but it's how, how much time you need to invest in doing those things. And I think that's where a program that has been vetted and structured and curated can exponentially increase that return of investment because it's been designed in a way that all the noise, back to what we were saying, right? There's so much out there um, that the noise has been taken out and it's been curated and designed in a way that is gonna maximize that return in your investment. I think that's where this structure programs add that additional value from saying, you know, why should I go to an MBA if I can find all the information? Yeah. But I think that is the big difference. So what would be your perspective on that?
1: I think you're right. I think that's the first piece that happens. I think the second piece that happens is um, you start to get a different experience when you actually go into a program. And a lot of that's around community and around how adults really need to learn right there's tons of research out there about how adults learn best and oftentimes it's in social environments where there's practice where there's reinforcement and feedback where you're immersed into an environment where you're working on things with other people and actually trying to build things right and so we actively don't don't spend class time thinking about oh let me explain depreciation we actually spend class time putting you on a team where you actually have to wrestle with the concepts of depreciation because you're building a company that has capital expenditure around it right and and that to me is the is the real promise of of synchronous cohort based learning we would say synchronous in terms of people working together at the same time on something and cohort based in terms of a community that you go through over an extended period of time the same the same curriculum with and and that to me is, is the magic of a lot of the, the formal education. It's why, again, Harvard Business School was a beautiful time for me. I met 900 classmates. and I really spent an extended period of time working through things with them, socially going through things. And I learned a lot. Maybe I didn't learn that much, but I learned a little bit. I learned a lot about them, about the other people. But, um, you know, we believe that that is the magic of this. And and that's what we've really imbued into our program. And we've really put deep into into the development and the instructional design.
0: Great. So um, I don't want to close our conversation today without giving our listeners an, an, uh, an opportunity to connect, first of all, with you but also to find out more about ability and about the mini MBA program that you guys offer. So as people are listening and they're like, oh, that sounds really interesting. I would like to learn more about this. This might be something that I want to consider. Um, Where can they go to find out more information and to connect with with you and, and, and the ability community?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So I would, I would urge you to go to our website, invitedmba.com. and I think, Carolina, you're going to put a, a link down there for it as well. Um, we, we run two cohorts a year. We run a spring and a fall cohort. And so our upcoming fall cohort kicks off in October. So we're actively taking rolling admissions uh, right now for this next cohort. I urge you to come check it out. Check out the curriculum. Check out some of the events that actually share how we do these things and actually give you a chance to experience some of our stuff over the next uh, couple of weeks and months. Um, our, our price tag is eighteen fifty, and so it's much more affordable than you would imagine in the MBA world. And anyone who comes through your podcast, we'd be more than happy to give a $200 tuition uh, grant to as part of it.
0: And oh, wow. Also- Thank yeah. you. Of that course. is awesome. And I think everyone should take advantage of that. If you've been thinking about, you know, developing further skills, increasing your business acumen, connecting with other people. I mean, I I can't agree more with you with the power of, of community. Um, yeah. I always say you are the average of the, the, the people you spend the most time with and proximity has such a, a, a great value, right? You can, you can learn about people by you know listening to what they do, connecting as, as sporadically, networking events, but actually being in community and working together and having proximity. Makes such a big difference.
1: Totally, couldn't agree more, Carolina. And we would love anyone who's interested to explore being a part of our community to come check it out. We have play sessions coming up. We have info sessions coming up. And um, you're also anyone is more than welcome to connect with me, Carolina. You mentioned uh, connecting with me. I'm on LinkedIn, and we're we're happy to put my uh, my LinkedIn profile into the into the um, in wherever we post it. The I podcast
0: didn't... show notes. Yes, we will include the link to the program and. To how to connect with you directly on, on LinkedIn for anyone that is interested.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. This yeah. was a pleasure having the conversation. I really appreciate you making the time and, and actually having the opportunity to be here with you.
0: No, I'm the one who is super grateful that you accepted the invitation. I always like to bring different perspectives, different voices to the podcast, and I think yours is one that is so valuable, because I think you're look you look at things from a different lens than I would, but at the same time, I think that we see things very similarly, which is really interesting to see. And I think you um, you share things that are of high value to our audience. So thank you so much, Luke, for accepting the invitation. Uh, it's been a pleasure to be able to connect with you, and uh, we look forward for all our listeners to check out the information to check out the program and um, connect with Luke. And if you have questions about the program, um, connect in the website. Um, There's a lot of great information. So again, Luke, thank you so much for being here. Uh, It's been such a great conversation.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm gonna quickly interrupt today's podcast episode to share something with you that I'm very excited about. A few weeks ago, I got my new walk-eye task. It's a height adjustable desk for your home treadmill that is perfect for those of us that are working from home. I've been working from home since the pandemic started. That is, that means over two years. And I feel that I get less movement than I used to when I was going to the office but I also love the flexibility of working from home. But now with my walk task, I can have it all. This very affordable attachment, so easy to install to your already existing treadmill, can help you get your steps in while you take a meeting or work on that presentation. I've been loving it. If you wanna check it out, Check the link on the show notes of this podcast episode for more information.